Welcome to Is It Worth It? The Self-Worth Podcast. My name is Roshni. I'm the founder of Self-Worth Coaching and the CEO of Beatty Grew Up, a content creation and coaching platform. This podcast and my work are dedicated to helping you become your most empowered self and to remind you to detach your self-worth from your external life experience. This is powerful work and I am so grateful that you are joining me for another episode. Today's podcast guest is Natasha Kajwa, a Pakistani-American actress and blogger of the page Purpose and Chai. Natasha started her blog to share her personal experiences and thoughts on mindfulness and wellness through the lens of a brown girl. Natasha hopes that in showing up honestly, she can help other South Asian kids know that they are not alone on their journeys. I know you are going to love today's podcast episode because we covered everything from not having a lot of friends to feeling like we had to live a double life life when it came to our South Asian culture and even what our relationships have taught us about self-worth and living authentically. Hello, Natasha. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. We're going to chat all things South Asian culture and just self-worth and personal growth and relationships. So I'm so excited to get into this like convo because I love your podcast. I love your Instagram, like your stories cheer me up so much. And actually a crazy little story is that when I was at home visiting my like family for the first time in like a year and a half, you were on your vacation in Mexico. So your stories were literally keeping me through like this like awful time that I was going through. So yeah, I, I really love your content and I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. Um, that that really just warmed my heart. Thank you for sharing that. And it's just a reminder that you're doing something right because I know you know this too as content creators, sometimes you find yourself second guessing yourself you don't even know if anybody really cares about what you're saying. Like you just, sometimes those moments of doubt creep in. And so I just really appreciate you for for sharing that. Yeah, I completely understand. I have those moments like twice a week at least. So I feel you. But um, do you want to start by telling our audience a little bit about um, just who you are and um, a little bit of your story? Of course. So hi, everybody. I am Natasha Kwaja, and my social media handle is at Purpose and Jai. I am a Pakistani-American actress slash blogger. And so I moved to Los Angeles from Canada a little over a decade ago to pursue my dreams of becoming an actress. And while I was out here, this little thing called the internet just started to take a form of its own. And then before we knew it, this thrifty little thing called social media just formed and um, I decided to kind of jump on board and use my blog and my social media spaces to share my own experiences as a South Asian woman growing up on this side of the world. And I really just wanted to be honest and not hold back a lot of what it was that I had experienced in hopes of letting other people know that they're not alone on their journey. I love that. And it's so inspiring to move like not just across the country, but to a different country to start over to do like a path that isn't necessarily like well looked upon in our society and in our culture. Like it's always, you know, do the safe thing and take the safe route and get the nine to five. And so um, how has that journey been? And like, how did that kind of start to shift or did it shift your relationship with your family and maybe the people that you knew back home when you made that decision? So it 
definitely was um, a huge factor in how my relationships either ended up what direction they ended up going in or a lot of them ended up ending, to be completely honest with you. So I was working a nine to five. I worked for corporate America. I had a job at the head offices for Walmart Canada and I was 19. I had gotten that job a few days after graduating high school and I'd been there for a couple of years at that point. But I knew that deep down it was not what my passion was. It wasn't what I wanted to do long term. I had been wanting to act since I was about six years old, since I did my first play in school. And so one day I um, gave my resignation letter in after actually reading the book, The Alchemist, because it inspired me so much to pursue my dreams. And it was met with a lot of opposition. My whole family thought it was a phase from the beginning. I know that this is not something that they thought that I would actually really go and pursue but I couldn't take sitting in a cubicle anymore. I was in a cubicle. I was working these hours. I started to lose a sense of self. And I thought, I have nothing really holding me down right now. You know, I'm single. I don't have kids yet. And I really, really, really want to see this through. And so um, in many ways, as, as sad as it is to say, that was the beginning of the end for a lot of my relationships, whether family or otherwise. I went through so many hardships trying to pursue these dreams of mine and I had maybe one or two supporters um, along the way and then they fell off. And so in terms of friendship, nobody reached out. Nobody asked me how I was. There was times where I was homeless. There was many times where I didn't have enough money to pay my rent. I didn't even have enough money to pay for food sometimes, but nobody knew because nobody really reached out, you know? So, um, my parents initially tried to stop me from leaving. Uh, they actually hid my car because uh, my car was in their name, but I was paying for it. And they literally hid the car at somebody else's home because they thought that would stop me from leaving and it, it didn't. So even though there's been like so many like barriers and challenges that have come up um, and many times where I've wanted to give up because I never want to act like those moments haven't come up because they have, I've just somehow found a way deep down inside of me to keep going. And to be honest with you, a big part of why I wanted to do it so bad was because you didn't see people like us growing up on the screen. You just didn't see that. And so I really wanted to be that person that could maybe inspire somebody else to not give up on their dreams. Wow, that's such a powerful story. And that's still just only the beginning of, you know, where you've been and like, what you're going to accomplish as well and what you have since then too. So that's incredible that you've like overcome so much just to get where you are. Um, but can you like, and also I actually wanted to say the alchemist was one of the first books that made me pursue all of what I'm doing now as well. Like that book is so powerful and just, yeah. And just like, getting the ball rolling and being like, I don't care if it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it doesn't even make sense to me, let alone anyone else around me, but that doesn't mean that it's wrong, you know, and that's, that's a major lesson. Um, but can you share like, what are some of the harmful stigmas that you've noticed or picked up on or harmful perspectives from like the South Asian culture that have, that you've either unlearned or are currently unlearning on this journey um, or just things that you have noticed that like a lot of people use to hold themselves back. So the number one that thing that came to mind was just how much all of us are conditioned to be people pleasers. And 
that starts from the notion that we have to pretend to be some type of perfect family, some type of perfect individuals to appease people on the outside of our homes. And that's something that's so prevalent in South Asian Desi culture. And that is probably the number one thing that I feel holds so many of us back because a lot of us have these secret dreams and we have these secret passions and we're scared to pursue them because we're scared of how they'll look to other people. And I actually have a funny story about that. So when I first quit my corporate job, I at first I went and I started waitressing like in Toronto, where like in the suburbs of Toronto where my family was living. And I was waitressing at this local Indian restaurant. And one Friday, all of my coworkers from the department I used to work in from the corporate job walked in. And I remember kind of freezing for a second. And then I thought to myself, why are you, why would this even be a thing? You're here, you're making a living, who cares? And when I went to go serve them, they seemed more offended by seeing me now being a server than even I did. Like the moment came and passed really quickly for me. And I remember my mom being so embarrassed. And why was it embarrassing? Because how could she leave this corporate job that... I mean, yeah, I paid decent, but it wasn't like I was making six figures at the time. So, but because that looked better on paper, it was like an embarrassing thing for everybody else. And I remember having to just let it pass really quickly because I had to do a job. I worked there, I had to go serve them. And there was a lot of just, you know, judgment. You could feel it in the energy around me. So I, I would say that that's the number one thing that holds a lot of us back. You are so right about that. Like, the whole idea of it looks better on paper, I feel like that has contributed to even like the arranged marriages and, and so much of like, who's going to be an acceptable partner. And I've recently had experiences where even though I'm in a happy long-term relationship, I've had some family members try and set me up with like a good Indian man and all of that. And I mean, obviously I'm not going to like leave my relationship for that, but even just going through the process of like seeing you know, like even just the questions that my own family member would ask me about what to say to other people or the way that they would try and like make a candidate look good, you know? And it's just like, I don't care what someone does for a living. Like they could literally, like you could literally be a serial killer and have a job. Like, what does that say about who you actually are, you know? And these ways that are so superficial of putting people in categories and, you know, just boiling an entire human or an entire personality down to like just these external factors it's it's crazy and that's why also you know if you have grown up in that kind of system and you lose your job through no fault of your own or you know something like a pandemic comes along and shakes all these things up it's like you lose your whole sense of identity because it was placed in all these external factors and in how everyone else sees you and I dealt with a lot of similar things you know, when I left my office job, my nine to five, and it looked so good on paper and it, you know, to, to do this, I remember one of the first things my mom asked me was, well, how long are you going to go with this? Like, and I was like, until I make it, what do you mean? Like, this is what I want to do when I'm helping people. And, you know, it was still about, well, when are you going to make the kind of money? And the worst part is I know that when like we do get even more successful and start making even more money, then they want to claim your success. Then they want to say, oh, that's my kid. That's my daughter. Look at her, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, but you weren't there for any of the struggle. So you don't get to sit there and praise me when I get to the top and you're 
like you don't get to take credit for that because I did this like in spite of you or like, you know, I, I did this without your help. And that in itself is painful to choose your dreams over real people in your life, you know? And I feel like that decision is also, it just changes you to your core. It changes everything. Um, so actually speaking of like decisions, can you talk a little bit about like just what it's like to make decisions as a brown person? <laughs> It's it's funny because if someone who's not brown is listening, they're going to go, what? But I knew exactly what you meant. It's not easy because you constantly have somebody like micromanaging your life or at least trying to, especially if you're a female, right? Where everything you do is being scrutinized. Everything you do is somehow like this heavy burden that's going to affect your whole family's lineage, or at least they make you feel that way, right? And it's never easy. And then even if you somehow break away from it, like we have, it seeps into your everyday because you've been so conditioned. So even when you break free of so many of the things that you're like brought up with, sometimes it's still just like, you know, it's just tricky. And you find yourself like second guessing. Nope. People might be surprised to hear this about me, but sometimes I really do second guess myself and I talk myself out of things. And I, hated that about myself because I felt like while the world changed and everybody came, even women that were younger than me, they came and they evolved with the world as it changed. I somehow held myself back because I was still carrying so much of that thought process that I had been taught as a child. That makes so much sense. And I resonated with that deeply because I remember talking about this as well on, on TikTok. I made a video about how you can't heal in the environment that made you sick. But at the same time, as soon as you leave that environment, that's still not going to fix your problems. And that's exactly what you were saying with like the whole, like the self-doubt comes up and, you know, you second guess yourself because no one's ever validate. First of all, you're not even supposed to make decisions on your own, but, but whenever you do make decisions on your own, they're never validated. And so when someone who you love is literally fighting you on every little decision, whether it really matters or not, I mean, it, it's like, it kind of starts that process of gaslighting yourself. I agree with that. The reason that resonated so deeply is because I found that even in my 30s, I would always seek approval in little things and I would just do it through my husband though. So if I was getting ready to like say something as small as make a reel, hey, is this okay? Like, can, like how has this come off to you? And what about this? And what about that? And even like when I was creating my blog or like putting together my Instagram page, like every little detail, I felt like I needed somebody to let me know it was okay. And um, I mean, I've broken free from a lot of it. I'm sure that you can, you can tell that by the way that I share certain things, but it would still pop up here and there. And it was so subconscious that I didn't even know I was doing it. Oftentimes I had um, some support system through one family member, but even then, sometimes, even though that family member supported me in my acting dreams, they would somehow revert back to the things we were taught and they would like insert control. And so even though they were building me up, there was always this control factor that kind of sort of kept me from 100% at the time branching out and thinking independently. And one of the things, one of my greatest, um, I don't want to say downfalls, but one of the greatest things that I've had to work on is not being afraid to make mistakes because I was chastised a lot growing up and almost like verbally punished when I made mistakes because like, how dare you, you know, make a mistake. And 
that's one thing that I um, really am working on, like through therapy and just even like self-awareness is to not be afraid to make mistakes and to know that that's a part of life and that's the only way I'm going to learn and that's the only way I'm going to grow. And so to be less afraid to just jump into things and mess it up and then find my way out of it. The part about making mistakes is so huge because I've been unlearning that myself. Um, I used to do the same thing where I, even in high school, I used, I was kind of like in a longish term relationship throughout high school. And one of the hardest parts about going through that breakup was like, I didn't know how to make decisions. Like I felt paralyzed. And so we broke up like at the end of high school. And then I was going into college and going into college, there's a lot of decisions to be made, everything from your major to how you're going to live your life. And because I was going states away, like it was my first time away from my family in that aspect. And I, yeah, I had no idea how to make decisions. I was always looking for permission or for validation. And that's when you just totally lose yourself in people. Like, and it changed from being my partner at the time to then losing myself in my friends. And then a lot of those friendships didn't even end up lasting because it was so toxic, but I was used to that. Like I was used to being told what to do and how to be, and I was used to being judged. And I mean, it's, it's crazy that our own like families and our own culture will set you up to think that that's normal. I um, completely resonate with that too. Only for me, and this is so unfortunate, but this is the truth. I've been let down so much by people close to me. And I was keenly aware of that, even at a very young age, that I was somehow, even in the midst of confusion, even when people turned their back on me, even when I had to learn to think independently, I had this like burning desire inside of me to be independent and to not be afraid, even though I would do so sometimes scared out of my mind, it's like to just show up for me. I actually have like a story to that. Like my older brother was super supportive of me with my acting dreams. And um, a few years of me being in LA, he, we, we stopped being close and he completely removed himself from me. And that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to deal with because that was like my one support system. And when he removed himself, it was that paralyzing fear that you mentioned because I didn't know what to do next. I really just was so confused. I even questioned like so much of who I was because there's this big part of you that is no longer there. And when you're in a foreign place and you're trying to pursue these big dreams, and now you have nobody supporting you, it's really hard. And I just remember all I knew how to do, because one thing I am good at is I know how to, like, I'll work hard. Like, that's one thing nobody can ever say about me is that I'm lazy or that I don't work hard. And I just buried myself in, like, as many jobs as I could. And I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to figure it out. Never was it an option to move back home. Because everybody kept trying to tell me, well, you've tried it. It didn't work out. Well, how long are you going to keep doing this? Um, you know, even when he removed himself from my life, he would send like friends of mine. And I use the term friend loosely because people weren't really checking on me like that. But people that knew me from school and stuff to say, oh, tell her to come back home. And it was just like, no, I'm not coming back. And, you know, honestly, that could have also been a fear thing because I knew what I had, for lack of a better word, escaped in terms of dysfunction. And I was like, I'm not going back. Like, even when things got hard, I'm so, like, no joke, eviction notices on the door. Don't even know how I'm gonna pay a utility bill or 
pay this or, you know, this, that, and the third. I did not want to go back. Like, I was like, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. Like, it's not really an option for me. I know that feeling so well because I've had like similar financial struggles and like I'm kind of going through some stuff like that similarly now. And just, yeah, it's never been an option for me to go back home. And sometimes I would almost let myself consider it and then something would almost always happen. And I feel like that was also a role of the universe and everything too, being like, no, because this is what's going to happen when you do that. And those kinds of like moments of things just being shocking and like blowing things up even more. I'm honestly grateful for that because if it weren't for those reminders, I may have made that decision, especially at the start of the pandemic. Like I, um, the company that I worked for laid everyone off and that was like two months before the pandemic. So then when the pandemic hit, it was like, even worse and everything just kept getting worse and worse and my um, partner and I lived together but we also worked at the same place so we lost our jobs at the same time and so there was no income like it was a lot but even through that and even through my parents being like come home you know it'll, it'll be fine like I was just like this cannot be an option for me and those reminders like really kept me going and and staying on my own path. And I'm grateful for that because it's made me so much stronger. And when I did finally go home a few months ago, like just even being there for a few days, like it, it changed who I was fundamentally, like it changed my perspective and I could feel the hopelessness and the anger and the toxicity coming out of me. And I was like, I'm not this person, you know? Um, and even weird things, like I would get sleep paralysis for the first time when I was there and just, yeah, it was a lot, but speaking on, you know, relationships and ones that have actually helped you, like you obviously share a lot of your relationship with you and Sam. And I love hearing you guys talk on the podcast and how open you are with everything. So how has your relationship with him, like, changed and influenced your healing journey so uh, I'm getting like teary-eyed just hearing you ask that because I'm already thinking of like the things I want to say but so excuse me if I get emotional it's like um you go through so much of your life and people say they're going to be there for you and then they're not and that has been like majority of my life and the loyalty you're willing to give people don't always give it back and these will be people that you share blood with right And when I met him, even through all the challenges, because we don't have not even close to a a perfect relationship. And I don't, I always say this because I don't think anybody does, right? We've had so many challenges because I showed up with so much of this stuff that you and I are discussing into this relationship and he never turned his back on me and I never, ever knew what that was like. And so I often say with him, even though we've both made mistakes here, you know, we've had egos show up and we've gotten upset with each other and, you know, you get angry and then you say things that you don't mean human nature. I've never, um, it's never been a thing where I feel like this is not my, my friend or that he's not going to show up for me if I need him to. So that in and of itself has been such a shift for me. And it's funny because in the beginning, um, I always just thought he would leave too because subconsciously you just like everybody does. Right. So I would always find ways to just subconsciously be like, Oh, something small. Okay. Well you can go fine. That's fine. You can leave. And it was me just assuming, like I said, because well, if this person's done it and they're related to me, like why wouldn't this stranger essentially do it? Um, and it's also just our relationship has taught me, um, 
it's just made me also want to be better, not only for myself, but for another human being, because they're willing to show up and do the same amount of work and try to understand me even when I'm probably not making sense at the time. Isn't that life-changing? Like I have such a similar story where my partner and I just celebrated our six-year anniversary and it's it was the same thing for me where at the start of our relationship, I would have like these more explosive kind of reactions to things or I would fight and I grew up my whole life with you know, my mom being really angry and having these angry outbursts. And then my dad being really passive aggressive and holding it in and not being honest. And so it was like this dynamic of not knowing how to handle my anger, not knowing how to handle conflict. And so I reflected that like in my relationship, I I would get either really angry or hold it in. And I did some of both. And after that, like now I think even for the last two years, if not longer, we haven't, like, while we've had disagreements and things to work through, we haven't had those angry outbursts or feelings of yelling at each other. And I'd never experienced that in my life. And to actually have someone see all the sides of you and accept you for that and not leave, like, there were so many times in our relationship, especially the first year where like I was going through so much, like I lost most of my friends. I was going through a lot with my family. I was graduating college. So I didn't know if I was going to have a job or going to have, like there was just a lot. And because of that, I was constantly emotional and growing up, like if I cried, it was such a burden on my family. They were not like going to huddle, like cuddle me and hold me close. If I was crying, like I was left to deal with that on my own. And I was used to like crying in corners of my bedroom and trying to hide it and be quiet. And even just having someone see me, cry, like no one except for my parents had seen me cry for the next like 20 years of my life until him, you know, and even being vulnerable enough to show that side of myself with someone and have them just hold me and like not run away and then be willing to talk about it later. And like, it, it's so crazy when you experience that. And it just takes one person to treat you that way for everything to change. I feel like, like you start realizing, okay, people can be safe because like you were talking about, if everyone is going to leave, if you're just ready to push everyone away as well, like that's, most people will take that as permission to go, you know, like there, a lot of people are just waiting to find, to not have responsibility over you and to have someone who actually will step up to the plate and not see you as a burden. Like that's life changing. No, you said it perfectly. I, that's the same dynamic that I grew up with in my household in terms of my parents, because my dad was a little submissive and my mother was very, um, like aggressive type of personality. And Um, I learned through therapy that because I was basically not allowed to feel and not allowed to show what I was dealing with, that it was bottled up and it started surfacing in my adult life and it would surface in the form of anger because I was told to basically my opinion doesn't matter in the way that I grew up. And whenever I spoke on things, um, it was really only met with, you know, any type of openness as if it, if who the person I was speaking to agreed with my opinion. And so, um, it's been a lot of unlearning for me, like on this journey. And I often think about like, you think, you know, in your twenties and then you turn 30 something. And while a lot of the foundation of who I was is, has been very consistent. Like I've always known who I am. I'm learning so much about even just feeling 
and I know that sounds so crazy, but I think you'll get it. Like just feelings and feeling and being and, you know, not being so hard on yourself and just, you know, I didn't even know how to take breaks. I felt ashamed to like rest because I was shamed for it. You know what I mean? And it was just so much of a different, like so many different personalities in our home. And so many people were given like precedence to put in like their ruling, except for me. So everybody else was allowed to insert like their, you know, leadership or whatever lack of a better word that you want to call it. And then there, there was, I like there, I was, and I wasn't given that same reign. And, you know, I have a younger brother. He was given more of that than I was, even though I'm older than him. And it was most likely because he's a male. And so even coming into this relationship with my husband, it's been um, such a learning thing for me where, you know, he's had to, he's taught me like, it's okay to rest. You don't have to be embarrassed about that. Um, you are not a failure just because you didn't do X, Y, and Z by a certain age. Um, you know, what else? There's just like so many little things. You don't always have to say sorry. You don't have to be embarrassed to make mistakes because there's been so many times where I've had to stand in front of him and I'm so emotional because it's so hard for me to like, just be honest without fear of what's really going on inside of me because you're so afraid of judgment. Oh, I, yeah, I resonate with so much of you, of what you said, like starting with the feelings, like I used to be a chronic overthinker and I definitely like when I get really triggered, I still will overthink a lot of the time, but having like being on the inside of my mind and having some form of peace, even some of the time is like radical because it was never like that before. I was also going to say that about how you mentioned like that he was your younger brother just the difference of how daughters versus sons are treated in a south asian household that in itself is traumatic <laughs> and just seeing like it, it just creates this feeling of unworthiness that's unlike anything else because it's like what's so different about me and it makes you feel shamed and feel embarrassed and feel just like you're nothing or no one you know and like your voice doesn't matter so, and yeah, I agree. A lot of what my family did was so discreet that if you came, if you were just somebody who visited, you wouldn't be able to catch it right away. It was so discreet, the little things that were done. I mean, I was just thinking to myself the other day, my brothers would date and they were allowed to bring girlfriends home. I was not allowed to date. Like, you know, there would be disdain mentioned, but not enough to not allow this from happening. I've never brought a man home and I was disowned for marrying my husband, you know? So it, it's like, I was just thinking about that the other day. Cause I was like, you know, the, the double standards in our home were like discreet, but they were definitely there. Yeah. That's next level. And it's just, I, I'm so glad that you've just stepped away and been like chosen yourself over that because like, it, it is one of those massive decisions, but it changes your life in so many ways. And it opens up so many more possibilities that weren't there for you. And like to constantly go to head with that kind of lifestyle, like ha being pushed into this tiny little corner and having to be in this perfect little box. Like it's just, it's infuriating. And like the more that people 
stand up against that and choose themselves like it's never the wrong decision I always say that I don't even have like the words to describe it but it really is that feeling of being a cycle breaker or a black sheep and everything that you're doing feels so wrong and so imperfect but at the end of the day it's the best decision you can ever make because like your life really starts after that point. I've had clients before who are South Asian who also talk about how, you know, they have younger siblings and they don't want to leave their younger siblings if they leave their family behind, you know, and something that we always end up discussing is this whole idea of if you comply, then that almost makes it worse because if you break away, then at least your younger sibling has an example that it can be done or has someone that they can talk to when those feelings come up for them. But if you, you know, just do everything to make your parents happy, because there is someone younger than you in the family, like that doesn't actually change anything. It just is someone that your parents will say, well, she did it right. So why can't you, you know, and that becomes something that your parents will use against you or other family will. And so as much as it hurts and as much as it's painful, and it kind of goes back to the feeling your feelings part of it, you know, it's like you, you have to, kind of admit that what they're doing isn't right and finding excuses or ways to kind of go around it is still being a little bit in denial of what's really going on. But something I did want to ask you is like, how has the shame or the lying affected your self-worth? And I bring up lying because I know that you've talked about like living that double life before and what that really felt like and how that affected you. You know what's crazy is that, oh my God, this is going to sound so... You might understand what I mean, though. There's so many lies that they see families tell, like, and they make it seem so normal. Like, whether it's how much money they make or, like, something about their house or something about the car they drive or, from like, there's always these lies to try and make yourself look better in the community. And that was so normal. You know, like, growing up, I saw that so much and it seemed so normal that I found then I became somebody who exaggerated things. And I had to start catching myself and saying, you really don't need to exaggerate this. Like you're an adult, there's no reason. Like it was like over the smallest things. Like it would be like numbers. Like I would, <laughs> so silly. When my husband would be like, oh, what time is it? And it would be like 4.15. I'd be like, oh, it's like almost 4.30. And I know that sounds so small, but it would be like, extreme. he'd be like, why aren't you just saying what time it is? Like, it was something that I developed at home you know, and I remember going home a couple of years ago, a few years ago, um, and I was going into one of my family members' workplaces, and they stopped me in the parking lot and say, if they ask what you're doing in LA, just say you're in college. And also, I told them that you're younger than you actually are, because they were embarrassed of me. They didn't want people to know that I was the age that I was at trying to be an actress. And I remember laughing, because oftentimes, I try to find humor and things to keep me from crying because I did, I cried a lot and I would cry in public because sometimes I just couldn't hold it in. And then other times I would just try to laugh things off and they didn't see the harm in that, but it was a constant reminder of the fact that they were ashamed of me or they were embarrassed of me and my choices. And that's something that stays with you until you decide like I'm not carrying these burdens anymore because it wasn't me that was embarrassed of me so I've been in LA over 10 years and I've only done a handful of acting jobs and my career isn't where I thought it would be that doesn't make me any less of a of a person who's worthy of love who's worthy of existing and that definitely doesn't make me a failure and that's the part that they fail to understand 
You know what I mean? I'm thriving. I am literally better today than I was last year. I am still breathing. I, you know, have so many things that I think I believe are of value and they just weren't able to see that. And that was something that I was constantly reminded of. And in a way, you know, that's how they tried to use to shame me. Yeah, it it was the same thing for me. You know, I was told like, oh, don't tell anyone about your business. It's not really a real thing. Or, you know, when I started living with my partner and we only really lived together because I had like two roommates in a row end up moving and I was left with no one else on my lease. And so it wasn't even like this huge romantic gesture. It was like, I literally cannot make rent if, you know, and so he's like, I'll move in. I'll help you. Like we got this. And, um, but even explaining it to my parents in that way, I, I tried to hide it and then it just wasn't, <laughs> they figured it out basically. And so, you know, even then they would, they would say, you know, don't tell your family that you're dating anyone. Um, and, and I basically had to hide all of my life. And I get that because it's like, why am I being shamed for things that I think are fine? And why do I have to live in like your world when you're not accepting mine or who I am? Like, I I don't know. And it just, it just proves that that love is so conditional. And it's like, how painful is it that even your own parents would rather, you know, have everyone else think that they're so great than to actually love their own child? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it just it affects you in that way where, like you said, it makes you feel unworthy. And coming to that realization on your own, that regardless of my accomplishments, even going back to like how you felt about rest and what you said about not being able to rest, I was the same way. And I realized that like, producing is not what makes me worthy. Like I am worthy when I'm resting when I'm sleeping if I take the day off that doesn't affect my inherent worth but it does feel that way and especially when you only are seen for your GPA and for you know when you got into college and this and that it's like how else am I supposed to see the world but it really is that like can't think of the word but like I think it's like trauma strength like strength from trauma or something like the opposite of um how like trauma can bring you down it can actually give you greater strength because you're able to move past those massive wounds and actually build yourself back up and doing that and once you can do that on your own like you truly are unstoppable like it's like and especially the one thing that has also fundamentally changed all of my relationships when it comes to like self-worth and realizing that I'm inherently worthy and kind of separating myself from my parents is that if I don't have to listen to how my parents feel about me, then like, I don't care who you are. You can't tell me how to live. Like it makes you, and it's not that I'm like a dick or (laughs) that I don't care about people or that I won't be held accountable. Like I will apologize if I actually do something wrong, but if someone's just telling me who to be or how to be, that has no weight over me anymore. Because if I'm not going to prioritize what my parents have to say and if I've overcome that in my own life then who are you to tell me anything you know and that's one of those things that I'm grateful for that lesson and to be able to learn it as early in life as we've both learned it it's it's huge and it really changes how it changes your whole perspective I think I've never heard of that uh, trauma thing that you mentioned the trauma strength but it makes complete sense because I think that's who I am as a person too where um and I don't mind this part of myself I'm not I'm I hold myself accountable like I'm one of those people and 
I am very, like, I like to be disciplined in my life. It does, it makes me feel good. And that's one thing I had to learn to separate that I'm not going to be, I'm not going to throw that in with them or be shamed for, for liking to maybe work out every day for liking to read, for liking to, you know, um, having boundaries in place or things like I'm, there's my life where I'm just like, no, this is who I am. And I enjoy this and I'm not going to be shamed for it because you know, on the other end, two people will try to shame you for things like, oh, why are you like getting up so early to like work on yourself? You know, people have literally tried to shame me because I like to get up early and I'm like, I'm not making apologies just because you don't. And I'm not saying I'm better than you, but somehow people somehow feel like you're shading them when you're not, when you're just over here living your own life. But also I'm very mindful of, um, I know you mentioned like not having to hear them. I don't give a lot of people access to me. Now there's not many people that have my phone number even, and that's intentional. And it's also like, I don't have a lot of friendships and that's also by choice because I mean, of course, it, someone could say, well, it's because of what you've been through. But I've also learned, like, in terms of my own personality, I'm, I'm okay. I accept things for what they are. And I'm okay not needing to constantly talk about this stuff, you know, and be reminded of what's happened to me because I want to be present and I want to, like, live a, a life that's full of joy. And I know that that's possible. And I think that's something else that so many of us from the culture forget that, you don't have to be defined by what's happened to you. I love that so much. And I love what you said about the part about friendships as well, because I felt really guilty or like I'm not doing enough or I'm a bad person for not having a ton of friends. And like, I do have a good amount of friends. All of my friendships that I do have are definitely healthy relationships where I don't feel like I'm holding parts of myself back. Um, but at the same time, like I'm kind of comfortable not, putting pressure on myself all the time to make more friends or new friends. And I feel like that's something that a lot of people will kind of look down on you for, like, especially have like a lot of people who have giant friend groups, or like, I know people from college or even from high school who are still in these massive friend groups together. And I'm not judging them either, but like, I have it's, it makes me feel good to not have to feel guilty for my life, not looking like that. Um, so yeah, can you just share more about like just your perspective on that? Well, I think people need to respect that there's different personality types. Um, what surprises a lot of people about me is that I'm an introvert. They like refuse to believe it. People literally try to fight me on it. And I'm like, no, like, how are you going to tell me what I am? I'm an introvert. And the other thing being because of the type of work that I do and because, you know, you and I will be out here sharing these parts of our life, people for as long as I can remember have always liked to emotionally dump their baggage on me. And I am so over that. I'm at a point in my life where I don't, I will consciously, I'm okay with not having friendships if that's what they're going to look like, you know, and I'm sure there's great ones out there. I have, you know, a couple of people in my life who are amazing, who respect boundaries, who don't do that, who will like ask me, like, is it okay if I share this with you? Um, but those are few and far between. And with also, I've had these really big life goals my entire life that, you know, I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm just absolutely not going to, because somehow if I'm apologizing for that, it's going to be connected back to the shame and the guilt that we've worked so hard to remove ourselves from. And because I've had these big dreams, I've had to make a lot of sacrifices and I make no apologies for that either. You know, I didn't go to my, I didn't go to prom. I didn't go to my high school graduation. 
I don't care about any of that stuff. I didn't go to college. I went to college for a little bit. It wasn't me. I left. I don't care to be at every party. I don't go to, par I don't like parties. Like I don't like big group events, period. And I'm not going to make apologies for that. People will judge you. Like I've been judged my life for those type of things, even outside of the home. It's not even just like a cultural thing. Um, you know, people think you're weird. Why aren't you going to prom? Why aren't you going to graduation? I've had such a strong sense of self for so long that even though there was BS layered on top of it at times, who I was deep down was, I want to move to LA one day. I want to pursue my dreams and I want to help people through my work. And that's exactly what I try to do every single day. And I don't make any apologies for it. I mean, my husband and I don't really go on vacations. We only went this year because we didn't have a wedding, which was also, I mean, as much as that was something that kind of like surprised me, like no little girl grows up thinking she's not going to wedding later I'm like of course you didn't like first of all you don't have a lot of friends who are you going to invite to the wedding you don't have support from either sides of the family you know of course that was going to be your life you freaking introvert like what do you think was going to happen um we only went because we we're celebrating our one-year anniversary we went on vacation at Cabo we don't really we're homebodies and we liked work hard that's just what we do and I've met I'm not even going to say I'm at my equal because 10 steps further than me when it comes to that he really doesn't want to leave the house he wants to work hard and he loves what he does. And he and he will tell you, I want to make mine and my wife's dreams come true. So I have no problem making sacrifices for that. Um, and so, yeah, like that's, people will try to shame you for that. And it's like, no, not everybody has to be like you. And that's where people need to get a grip. You know, I don't talk to, I talk to one person from high school and that's it. And, you know, like people will come up here and there and I'm like, who? Because I've blacked out that part of my life. Cause I really don't care. I didn't like it when I was there. I don't give a shit, excuse my language, like 15 years later, I really don't give a shit. So I make no apologies for that at all. I love that so much. And one of my biggest pet peeves is when people are like, watch out if a person hasn't had lifelong friendships, like they're not trustworthy, they're not a good person. Or people will say that about like, if you're, you know, going on a date with someone new, like it's a red flag if they don't have these long-term friendships. And I'm like, I feel like it's a red flag if you do, <laughs> like if everyone, you know, you've known since you were five, like what is up with that? Like, you know, and I don't know. I just, it, it makes me feel so good to connect with more people who think like this, because again, like, it's not that I hate people, but at the same time, like who you give your energy to and your time to is, is huge. And having people who don't understand or who don't think similarly to you. And I don't mean that you have to be the same and that you can't have differences, but like having people who will look down on you for having big dreams like that is not okay and having people who will just throw digs at you you know I've even had like some friends from high school or even elementary school that I've like reconnected with but then after a while of talking like they'll you know throw little digs about like my podcast or my business or you know like oh well I make all this money and like you're doing this and it's like but how how is that helping you or me like that doesn't you know and I can just tell that like you are taking the time to make these digs so you're probably insecure but you're just in denial and you're not being honest about how you actually feel about yourself and that's not cool either so like I'm not getting anything out of this you know and so to have that perspective of like here are my priorities. And these are very clear. I think that really does change what you 
are willing to accept. And that makes it so much easier, like you said, to hold those boundaries that you have because you're not having people constantly asking to compromise them, right? For for nothing. Um, and so how has like living authentically and like living in this autonomous way, how has that like expanded your life into even more possibilities? I think it helps keep certain types of people away for the moment which is something that you mentioned, I don't like one-sided relationships. Because I've been this person for so long, even through the fear, even through like the shame, even through all like the downs of the cultural aspects in the family, because I've always been this person, I've had a lot of what you could call like energy suckers try to come into my life because they want to try and take from you because they recognize your light. And I have a problem saying that out loud because I thought I was coming off like conceited or full of myself, but no, fuck that. At 33, that's exactly what it is. They want to somehow be around you and not do the work. And I had a lot of one-sided relationships like that. I don't have time for that. I'm not a mother yet. I'm not carrying you on my back. I don't have a spouse that I carry. He was somebody that I was looking for that would be, you know, strong like me, no codependency because I can't stand stuff like that. It really, and that might go back to my childhood, but I don't like that kind of stuff. So showing up authentically, I got to be honest, like I've also been told like, oh, you, you intimidate people, blah. I'm not making apologies anymore for who I am. I did that in my 20s. Like, I'm done doing that. And for me, it just makes making decisions easier, too. I'm very certain of a lot of things now, and I have clarity because I've known my purpose for so long. If it doesn't align with that and who I've worked so hard to become and who I'm continuing to evolve into, no, the answer is no, I don't want it. And one of the biggest things that I'm learning to transition through now, and I'm going to get, um, I'm going to talk to a therapist about it is because I've done it with my family, but now I need to learn to do it through my work with the blog and social media is just telling people no, because people feel so comfortable sometimes because they see that you've been through the same things that they've been through, where they just want to dump on you. And I've been there and I've done that. And unless you're paying me for my time, I can't keep taking on your burdens. It just is what it is. And that's what, where, you know, being authentic and valuing yourself and valuing your time come in. Do you know how many DMs I used to get on Instagram of people asking me for advice and none of them would follow me or support my content? And do you know how many years I spent stupidly replying to these people like an idiot? And then one day I got really fed up and I went, wait a minute, why am I giving this away for free? And by free, I mean, yes, I want to help you, but my content should be enough to tell you what my thoughts are on the subject that you're about to push me for in my DMs. And then people still try to do it. I had to turn on this setting where you can't message me unless you follow me. And just the other day, somebody followed just to be able to DM me and then they unfollowed me. And I'm just sitting there and I was like, I'm not responding to you. The irony too is they were trying to sell me something, which I thought was hilarious. They're like trying to sell me classes on how to learn to speak Hindi. I'm like, I'm fluent in Urdu, so I'm pretty much fluent in Hindi. So I don't know why you're trying to sell me this. And they were like trying to offer me these things. Then I noticed they unfollowed me. And I was like, I'm not even, I'm not going down that road, you know, but other than that, it's like oftentimes brown girls who, while I feel for them because I am them you can't just put your stuff on people, not with the internet here. You got to do the work. There's resources available. There's tools. I mean, and also I can't continuously be triggered and brought back to times that weren't pleasant for me. It's not fair to me. It's not fair to my husband. It's not fair to the life that I'm trying to build. Yeah. And as a coach, like it also from the person who's coming to you for that free advice and not even following you as well, like it devalues 
them. Like you're devaluing yourself if you're doing things like that, because you're not even saying that like the advice you're getting is worth paying for. You know what I mean? Like, and it also kind of relates to that whole like nice girl thing that I had to fully let go of and realize like, that's like, when you spend time actually investing in yourself with time, with money, with resources, you realize how much you really are worth and you're not going to just sacrifice that for being nice or for people pleasing. Like we were talking about at the beginning of this, like it's that whole feeling of like, who am I doing this for? And once you really start pouring into yourself, you're like, I sure as hell am not doing this for you at the expense of myself. Like I know what it's taken to get me here. So I'm not going to be thrown off balance that easily. I actually had an instance just a couple of days ago where, and I've made it very clear. Um, I don't know if you've seen this, where I've talked about this on my stories more than once about, Hey, don't message me like emotionally heavy stuff. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a therapist. I'm not this. I'm in the middle of putting together a group where if people pay to come and we can all get together and I'll be like the head of it. We can do that, but I'm not doing this for free anymore. I've mentioned that over and over again. So a couple of days ago I had some, message me with a medical diagnosis that they had gotten. I'm in my car, open the DM, and I'm just like taken aback. I was like, what do you want me to say to you? Like legit, what do you want me to, I can't, I used to be that girl who would run to save everybody because I thought that was how I would be able to keep my family together. And that's not gonna serve anybody, not even the people that you think you're saving. And so I literally like was so upset. I was so mad because I knew this person had seen those things that I had posted saying, don't message me heavy emotional stuff. It's not right. It's not fair to me. And it's not even fair to you. I literally have said the same thing that you just said a couple of minutes ago. And I was so upset and I'm driving and I'm quiet. And my husband was in the car with me. And he turns to me. He goes, I actually feel so bad because he's like, I just realized like it's got to hard being that person that people just try to dump things on and he's like I don't know why it just clicked for me that you've been dealing with that your entire life because he's like it started at home where you were young and you had to grow up too fast because everybody was always bringing their things to you and your whole childhood was robbed as a result of it and he's like if it if he's like if that was me he's like I would be totally upset so I can see why sometimes it weighs on you and he's like I'm so glad that you know you had this upcoming therapy session because I really do want you to get the better tools to handle these situations because it's not fair to you. And I remember like getting emotional when he said that because I was like, oh, finally somebody sees me and somebody hears what it is that I've been experiencing because I just, you go through so much of your life feeling used. And when people try to just take from you on any level and not give anything in exchange for it, who wants to live life like that? Like what kind of existence is that? And like I said, it's at least I have a choice though, because now like years, I stopped doing that years ago. A few people who have been really respectful and I always make it clear, I'm not a coach. I'm not a therapist. I'm just a daisy girl who's been through some life experiences and who's here to share them with you. A few people who've been super kind and amazing and they wanted to respect their time and my time. They're like, can I just pay you to talk to you? I just want to talk to you one-on-one. -on -one. And I was like, yeah, so that's an option. Like I've done that with a few people who found me on social media and I let others know too. I do not talk, nothing heavy, anything that you're coming to me with that you think you should be talking to a professional about. I mean, in this instance, it was a medical diagnosis. There was, even if she would have said, can I pay you to talk to you? I would have said, 
unfortunately for your betterment, no, because I don't know what to tell you. I'm not a medical professional. And so while it's like a beautiful thing that they can see themselves in me, people also need to understand that on the other side of your screen is a human being. And it is not fair to keep laying things on them that they've had to work really hard to get to the other side of. Yeah, it really goes to that, the parasocial relationships that you get when you are, you know, looking at someone who's being so vulnerable and sharing parts of themselves. And it's like, yes, you're getting to know them. But first of all, there are still parts of them that are sacred to just them that you know nothing about. And also, like, if there's one of them and thousands of you or however many hundreds or even like hundreds of thousands, like, th like they cannot, they do not have the capacity to be able to go into every single individual person's relationship and or like, you know, their, their mental thoughts and, and coach them through it. And even as a coach, like, I, I still have to have really strong boundaries about, you know, when our session is over and what we can talk about in between sessions, because people will really try and take advantage of that and it's it sucks because like we both were that person who you know like when your parents are coming to you with things when grown ass adults are coming to you with their problems expecting a literal child to solve it for them like the way that that yeah it really does just make you feel used and it makes you feel like I'm just this thing in these people's lives that's being passed around when I'm useful and when I'm not no one's coming to check on me no one's coming to see if I'm crying or what I'm crying about no one wants to even devote their time when I am crying or upset or whatever going through something to just be there for me you know and that difference of being seen like you said when your husband said that like that just that acknowledgement sometimes like it's so crazy as adults when we realize like how little it actually takes to just love someone in that way just be there for them like you don't need someone to even come in and fix all your problems like other people are we're asking both of us to do you just need someone to to see you and being on the opposite end of that not having that and then realizing like it's just these small things that make you feel like enough like it almost breaks your heart even more because it's like how was no one there to even do those little things for me I'm so like I don't just honored to hear your story and just love everything that you've shared so much um it it really is inspiring to see you know how much you've overcome and what you're been going through and even how you continue to like rise above it and share and like get up and do better every single day like you really are amazing and I love being able to watch your story and see parts of your day like every day thank you so much for saying that that means so much to me um and I feel the same way about you I connect with so much of what you post and I tell you that like wait I feel this I feel that I, I hope she doesn't get sick of me DMing, DMing her and saying oh you know this is really just spot on um and I am just so proud of you and to see you and everything that you're doing. I think it's amazing. We need more women that look like us in these spaces and showing up unapologetically as our authentic selves and not being afraid to take a room and to get out of the whole thing of being doormats or feeling like, you know, we have to be a certain way or we, you know, have to show up for everybody that comes calling because that is going to be like such a groundbreaking thing as so many more of us get to that side you know the other side of the people pleasing and all the other stuff that was put in place to try and 
hold us back from becoming our most authentic selves. Absolutely. I love just being able to give people permission to do that and to, you know, create whatever life they want in their own authentic way. Where can our audience like follow you or um, if they do want to join that paid group that you were talking about, is that ready to join? So you guys can follow me on um, YouTube, just search Purpose and Jai. We have our podcast, Purpose and Jai Conversations. My husband, Sam and I, that's available uh, across the board, all major streaming platforms, and then all on social media at Purpose and Jai, and it's one word. Um, I am in the middle of putting that group together and also getting my Patreon page up and running because I think it's so important that when we have value, which all of us do, that we, you know, show up and seek our worth. And I think that every one of us should be unapologetic about asking for what it is that we feel we deserve, especially as brown women. So as soon as that's up and running, I would love to have more people join that and, we can continue the conversation there and just continue to heal and evolve and just be better versions of ourselves. Absolutely. So for anyone listening, all the links to follow Natasha are going to be in the show notes. Um, and thank you again so much for coming on and sharing so much of your story. And I loved this conversation. So thank you. can't wait to see all the amazing things that you continue to do. And I'm so grateful to know you and connect with you. So thank you. Thank you so much, as always, for joining me for another episode of Is It Worth It? If you've been enjoying this episode and think it would be helpful for others, please make sure that you rate and review the podcast. It really helps me so, so much in supporting the podcast and helping it reach new audiences. And if you are able to write a review and email me a screenshot at hello at betigrewup.com, you'll be able to receive 10% off of any of my single session services. So that includes single session self-worth coaching and single session tarot readings. All links to my other content, my services are all going to be in the show notes below. Thank you again so, so much. I deeply appreciate your listenership and I hope you have a beautiful day ahead.